All right. All right. Man, welcome in. Welcome in, whether you're joining us in person or online. Man, we are so glad to have you at Lindsay Lane North. Uh, I am excited to continue our vision series with you. So we hope that you uh, have come ready to hear and listen. I'm just going to be honest with you. All right. When I say vision series, I know what y'all are wanting to hear. Okay. And I also recognize that for two weeks, I have not told you what you're wanting to hear. You're wanting to hear what buildings, you're wanting to hear what programs, you're wanting to hear what plans, and I have just been mum on that, right? Y'all a little frustrated about that? Well, y'all should confess that to the Lord, right? Man, it's been good stuff. Today is the day. We get the opportunity. I want to share with you future plans that we have as a church. Physical plans. I will tell you everything I'm about to tell you is tentative because this time last year, I was telling you a plan, which by the way, some of it didn't happen. All right. Uh, We'll talk about that, but I want to have the opportunity to share with you what is ahead for Lindsay Lane, for Lindsay Lane North. Uh, The title of this series is What's Next? Right? So what's coming down the line for us as a church? But we need to put it in the theological framework of what God is going to do in our hearts and our lives first. Let me tell you, whatever happens on this campus, it will never be more important than what God does in your hearts and in my heart. We are the New Testament church, not some building. And if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves in the same boat that Israel was in, glorying in our comfort and accommodations and losing God in the process. So we, I say this with a humble spirit. I, I tell you this with a humble spirit, uh, letting you know so that we can rejoice, we can be excited, so we know we're going to need investment in order to make some of these things happen. And, and we want you to be excited about what's coming down the line. But I want to make sure that you filter it. It's why we've looked back, and it's why we've looked up first before we look around at things in our context. So this title of my message today is is, is Realize, right? We need to realize we've remembered, right? We've reverenced and we've realized. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4. We'll be in the book of Deuteronomy. You can turn there. Uh, We're in Moses' last sermon that he preaches, right, to the people of Israel. But Deuteronomy 440 is our proof text for the entire series. And it says, therefore, right? Remember, look back at all the things that God has done. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. There are statutes and commandments that we must abide by to be in obedience to God and his word, right? So we should reverence him, reverence who he is, and reverence his law and mission for our life, that it may go well with you. This speaks of the blessing of following God and keeping it and, and, and holding him to his word, right? That he is the same God who blesses faithfulness, but he punishes disobedience as well. And with your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. We will get there next week that we are called to grow, to replicate, and to disciple. And a church that is missing in those areas is missing what it means to be a community of faith, to be true community in the, in the 
body of Christ. But where are we going? Y'all ready to hear it? You ready to hear some fun stuff that's coming up? Okay, well, point one, I guess. Well, I'm just kidding. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in this service. Lord, I pray that we would humbly submit our plans to you. May we bow and filter, Lord, whatever it is that you would lead us to do, that we would do. Whatever it is that would not be your will, God, I pray that we would, God, immediately abandon our plans, abandon this strategy, and pursue you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your direction in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but our building is very limiting to what we can do as a church. Uh, we So one of the first things that we're going to do very, very soon, you will see us be breaking ground hopefully very soon, is on a new building that we are going to put in the back of the church behind the, the existing building. Uh, we are going to have a building there. It's gonna, so last year, I told you it was going to be a portable. Uh, well, it's not, okay? Uh, God provided the portable. He, by the way, he waited till the summer, like as in a few, like a couple months ago, to provide that trailer. So now, uh, as he was providing that trailer, he had already given us vision for this new building. And so now the trailer that was coming to us is sitting over at the East Campus right now that they are utilizing to the fullest extent. So we are using that building, but not in the way that we had originally uh, intended. We are building a 40 by 60 permanent building in, in our back that the main campus, Athens campus, is helping us with, uh, helping us to underwrite uh, to do that. So 4,800 square foot of space uh, that is going to meet some very critical uh, critical needs that we have as a church. The most important of these is that it will double up our children's and preschool space. It will double it. So I don't know if y'all have recognized, if you're a parent, you know this. Uh, we have a lot of kids at this church. And sometimes we have a lot of kids in small spaces. And so we want to give us the opportunity, not just to meet the current needs, but we want to be good stewards of what God is going to continue to do, right? So we want to make sure there is plenty of space for our children and our preschool ministry to grow. So that building will address the most important need is that doubling up our kids in preschool space. Uh, we will have offices in this building as well. There are a lot of things that are very clunky uh, with the way that we lead sometimes because we have office space in Athens. Uh, and I live in Elkmont and, you know, it just, it's difficult sometimes to coordinate things. And so we will have office space here on site that if you need us, we will have office hours and it, we're going to be here in this area. We're really, really excited about those things. Hey, y'all, these bathrooms will still be there, but you ain't going to have to pee pee behind a curtain anymore because we are going to have good, normal sized bathrooms upstairs and downstairs uh, in this building. So that's my favorite thing to tell like our senior staff, like, yeah, that's all fun and good for y'all, but we pee pee behind curtains in Elkmont, you know, like, so, so we are addressing that very, very important need. Uh, another need that we're addressing is that we're, it's it, through all of these 
Uh, through this building, as well as changes we're going to make to that back building, we will double the size of our lobby. Uh, so y'all know, because apparently I got long-winded today, that things get a little tight in there. And so we are doubling up the size of that lobby, as well as giving us another entrance into the church that will be double door, uh, so that we can come and go much easier instead of all fitting through that single door. So uh, the plans that we have include doubling up our lobby space. It includes giving us uh, the functionality to have a fellowship space that will be about the size of this sanctuary. Uh, we will have a kitchen area where we can meet together. It's your, Brennan, is, y'all, she is pumped. She is on 11 right now. Uh, so we are going to be able to do that as well as, as well as we hope that this building provides a way for us to have a youth space that the youth are going to be able to utilize as well as on Sunday mornings, maybe even a small group that meets which is more traditional, the more traditional format. I know we do home groups, but to have an entry level group that meets actually on campus at our church on a Sunday morning. So all of those things, plenty of storage, some of those things. And here's the deal. And here's, I know what you're asking, but where are we going to put it? Because we, we already can't park here. You're like, y'all, y'all shouldn't be so negative, right? We have plans through adjustment of some of the buildings and some of the parking that we have now, uh, tearing up some things that we hope to be able to do this and actually have more parking than we have right now by prioritizing the space that we have. So we'll make some changes to our parking lot to hopefully get even more, just a few more people in here. Uh, and it's all going to take the same footprint pretty much that that uh, portable would have taken. Right, So here's why we're doing that. Now, many of you thought, well, what? we need to buy a piece of land and we need to build. And I, I agree with you at a, at, a, at a point in the future, we need to do that. But our vision is to be autonomous from the Athens campus. We want to be, we are a launch campus, meaning we will uh, meet, get self-sufficient so that we can meet our own needs, function within our own budget, uh, and then we will be uh, allowed to become our own church. This was from the plan, this is the plan from the very beginning. Mark, I haven't had a falling out with Andy John. This is the plan from the very beginning. And so we are going to become our own church. We are already taking steps to make that happen. They've already adjusted our budget so that all of our our ministry that we are doing is with the dollars that we bring in, right? And if there's more, then it's saved up in our line item, right? And so we are already doing those things, but it's things like this, like we already have a team of six people made up of men and women of every demographic of our church that is going to be meeting together as our stewardship team to propose budgets. Now, this year, it's just our ministry expenses, but next year or the year after, depending on what the timetable looks like, they will be given the full budget that they would propose that we'll vote on as a church. All of these steps, right now, all of that is handled through the main campus, but we are literally meeting this month or within a month, I'll be meeting with our new stewardship team to begin the process of changing over Budget. So we are taking steps that direction. We're talking about things that are going to happen. We're not talking, now we're not, this, it's not this far away, five, seven years. We're talking much more imminent than that. Um, we don't know the exact timetable, but our goal is somewhere around 2024, 2025. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're looking uh, to be. But obviously, we're waiting on God to provide in his timing uh, for that. And then, 
So then what they're trying to do, what, the, what Athens wants, us, wants to be able to do for us is to get us to the point where we can grow. We even have plans to uh, adjust this sanctuary a little bit to add about 60 to 80 seats in here that we can grow another 100, 150 people uh, to meet in here comfortably. And so we're going to do, uh, we're going to do that as well as needed. But that is all in this existing building so that we can get to the place where once we are autonomous, once we have the staff that we need in place, then we can we begin as a church casting vision for what is next, right? And so this is what we're doing now to get us to the point where we can be healthy enough to thrive as a church so that we can be launched out on our own. So that's the vision as it stands today, all right? So if we upgraded from a building to a portable, who knows what the building will be next year? I'm just kidding. Um, it, it is going to happen, but we are already taking a lot of steps in that way. So that's what we're working on, and we want you to be excited about that, right? But not to do it outside the context of present obedience, right? What God has called us to do to be the church. And being the church, building buildings has nothing to do with being the church, Yes, it is where we can function and we can use those buildings and leverage those buildings for kingdom purpose, but we must be about something greater than that. And that is the point that Moses makes to the people of Israel. They're about to inherit the promised land on the cusp of the promised land. And he's telling them then his last message, sermon number three in Deuteronomy is the last message he will ever deliver to God's people, Israel. And listen to some of the things that he brings up. The first thing that he does is he talks about the blessings that come with being dedicated to the Lord. So Deuteronomy 28, the third sermon is Deuteronomy 27, all the way to Deuteronomy 30 is his last message to his people. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 to see dedication to the Lord. Listen to the blessings of God. 14 verses he uses here to share the blessings that come through faithful obedience. Listen, verse one. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Pay attention to that verbiage. The blessings, if you will, that by the way, in this entire message, probably the most important word that is repeated over and over again is the word if. This is what is conditional about receiving the benefits of the blessing of the covenant that God made on Sinai. If you will obey, if you'll do right, Blessings will follow. Blessings will come upon you, and they'll be so great that they'll overcome you. What does that mean? That they will surpass even your own understanding. What you think is the blessed life, Israel, God will bless you to such a degree, you will realize that you are experiencing blessing that you never thought possible. It will come upon you, and it will overtake you. This is active, not passive pursuit of blessings. So he promises the blessings of God. If you will be faithful, God will bless you above measure. He also promises the prosperity of Israel. Look at verse 13 in Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord will make you head and not the tail. 
And you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. So we have this position. Again, pay attention to the terminology because that's coming up again. You will be the head and not the tail. If you listen to me, if you do what I say, Israel, you will be blessed to a degree that you as the puny little nation that you are will be the most blessed and powerful nation in the known world. You will be the greatest nation and nobody is going to be able to touch you. You are the head and not the tail. You will set the tone for the world and listen to the witness of Yahweh. In verse 9, jump back up to verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. We hear this often, right? He says this often. As he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. But listen to this. And the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. So what we see in the Old Testament is God in this pattern of doing things to Israel, good or bad. But these things don't happen in a vacuum. Do you remember what God's promise was to Abraham? Through you and your seed will all the nations of the world be blessed. Don't let someone tell you the Old Testament is just about Israel. Because it's not. Now Israel is front and center because Israel is the vehicle, is the lineage that Jesus will bless, that God will bless all nations through Jesus with. But the Old Testament is not just about the nation of Israel. You'll see God doing things in Israel, and then the nations are always part of the audience, right? They have ramifications for the nations. So what does he say there? All the peoples of the earth, all the nations that are around you, will look, they'll recognize that you're people that bear my name, and they will fear you. They will not just fear Israel because Israel's not scary, but they'll fear the name of the Lord. God receives glory. This is not a witness to the power of Israel. This is a witness to the power of God. And so when the nations see the blessings that I bestow on you, they're not going to mess with you because they're going to recognize you have my favor and I am greater than any God they serve. My lordship my power, my sovereignty will be on full display. I will receive the glory. 14 verses, the blessings of God. If Israel will be dedicated to the Lord, these are the blessings that come. But secondly, if they do not, there is cursing that is possible as well. So let's look at the destruction by the Lord. Look at the curses. By the way, it's interesting. Israel has 14 verses dedicated in Moses' message to the blessings for obedience. He has 54 verses for the curses of disobedience. It's almost like God knew what was going to happen. It was almost like God was having his messenger explain to them the fact that you might have a little blessing, but y'all, y'all going to be living in the curse for a large portion of your existence 
as a people. And that's what we've seen. Y'all, we still, we still see it playing out in history today, right? The, the curse, not the blessing. 14 verses of, of blessing, but followed by 54 verses of curse. Listen to what it says, verse 15. But if you will not obey, there's that if again, if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and all of his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and guess what? Overtake you. The same verbiage. This is a reversal. These, these curses are a reversal of the blessings. If you act in opposition to my commandments... If you act against me, the same thing that was for you will now be turned against you. They will pursue you and they will overtake you. So your cursedness won't just be a, oh man, that's a bummer. But it will surpass even your understanding of how bad it can be. You will be cursed if you do not obey my commandments. Listen to the prosperity, not of Israel, but listen to the prosperity of of the nations that he predicts. Deuteronomy 28, verse 43. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher than you. The alien, the, the outsider, the foreigner among you shall rise higher and higher above you. And you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you and you shall not lend to him. Why? Because you're not blessed. You're living in the curse. There's nothing you have to offer. Here it is. He shall be your head and you will be the tail. A reversal of everything that was promised in the blessings. Now in 54 verses, we give painstaking detail to the curses that reverse all of that. But there is one thing that is consistent. One thing. And that is the witness of Yahweh God. Because regardless of our obedience or disobedience, y'all take this to the bank. Old Testament, New Testament. Throughout created order, one thing is consistent is God will not be robbed of his glory. God will get the glory regardless of the actions of man. Listen, you don't believe in God? That's fine. You haven't changed God a bit. You believe wholeheartedly in God. That's great. God hasn't changed. We serve the same God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the one that declares the end from the beginning, right? He is sovereign. He's in control. Y'all, we don't have anything to bring to that table. We're not hurting God's feelings, not believing in him. He is still God. And God will not be robbed of glory. Listen to Deuteronomy 28, verse 36. Jump up just, just a couple verses. The Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. Who's he bringing them to? He's bringing Israel, God's people, to the nations. Not as victorious heroes, but as absolutely conquered people. You will be enslaved to the nations. In the presence of the nations, they'll know. Uh, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. And you shall become a horror. The word in Hebrew is used very infrequently. It literally means 
an astonishing wasteland. A wasteland that is so incredibly wasted and worthless that it is baffling to the mind. Right? When we look at things like we get the opportunity to help in the tornado or the the flooding relief in, in East Kentucky that we'll talk about that. You'll hear that in our announcements. We get to be a part of that drive. But when you watch those pictures, you see those videos, you see the people that were already so impoverished, now lives being completely destroyed, and you just go, oh my gosh, that's horrible. This is what is coming for Israel. You will be made a horror Literally an astonishing wasteland. He says, you'll be a proverb. You'll be a little story that parents tell their kids what not to do. Let me tell you a little story, John, little Johnny, about how you don't betray God or he makes you an astonishing wasteland, right? Like, you'll be part of a nursery rhyme, right? Like, this is going to be a bad deal for you. In fact, it's going to be so bad. He says, you'll be a byword. That literally means a taunt or a ridicule. Like literally people would be like, man, Babylon, people in Babylon would be like, man, you really Israeled that one up. Like you just, you blew it. That was, that is the definition of destruction right there, buddy. You, you, what were you thinking? Right? You, it will become part of the vernacular of people that have become incredible failures. You'll be a joke to the nations. Why? What is he saying? You will be a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. Your blessings will mean that they will fear me. But if you disobey, if you do not keep my commandments, your destruction will be so severe, I will get glory because everyone will recognize you don't cross God Almighty. Even in your cursing, I will receive glory. So let's illustrate that, shall we? I need two volunteers, all right? Two, okay, Cooper, come on, Cooper and Logan, come on. I'm shocked at you. I'm not shocked at you, bud. All right, uh, so what we're going to do, guys, I don't know if y'all know this. I don't know if you recognize this, Cooper. I've kind of hidden it from you. Uh, I am a professional potter. Like, I make pottery professionally, and I'm great at it. And I want you to know that I have the keenest of eye for pottery. And in front of you is the finest pottery equipment material known to man. It is not some run-of-the-mill name. It is Play-Doh. It's the real thing. And I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but I am making you itinerant potters with me. We're going to be judges over what these guys create. They're my apprentice. I'm overseeing them, and we're going to find who has the best skill. When I say go, you are going to create the most beautiful piece of art that you have ever seen using only the material in front of you. It's going to be beautiful. It better be beautiful because we're going to vote on it. All right? Y'all understand what you're supposed to do? You have like very little time. I'm going to keep talking, and then I'm going to start counting down, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? It's going to be fast. Adults had a hard time with it last service. Y'all ready? Go ahead and open it up. Begin your pottery 
Three, two, one, go. All right. This is from my quiet time, by the way, right? And I had got this, as I was doing my quiet time, I was like, this works great. This is perfect. Do, uh, Jeremiah, chapter, uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. God tells Jeremiah to go to a potter. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you know, uh, I will let you hear my word. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working on at his will. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled by the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. Five, four. Three, two, one, finished. Y'all, y'all have made the exact same thing. Y'all have made the exact same thing. You made a lid for the Play-Doh and some tower of some sort. Great. You made a burrito. Oh, okay. All right, guys. Who would favor all of my professional potters in the room? Who would favor Logan's structure? <laughs> Mom and dad got your back, man. All right, who would favor Cooper's? All right, they're both pretty bad, y'all. I'm not going to lie. They're both pretty bad. All right? So here's, here's the picture that, that's being painted. He's saying, look, just like clay in the potter's hands... If this thing, if, if what I'm doing in your midst does not please me, just like the potter, the clay doesn't have any say to the potter. By the way, he doubles down on this in Romans 9. Go back and read it. Who's the clay to say to the potter, right? What there to be? He says, I can destroy you at a moment's notice. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to make the executive decision, y'all. We probably need to try this again. All right? All right. Y'all can have a seat. Thank y'all. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Give them a hand, y'all. Give them a hand. <laughs> All right. That was fun. So listen to what Jesus, listen to what Jesus says to, to Jeremiah. Then the word of the, Lord, word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done? Do I not have the right to destroy something that is not living for my glory? Do I not have the right to bless something that does meet my standard? If at any time I declare to a, concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, I'm bringing disaster upon you. And if that nation concerning which I've spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster. Nineveh, right? Jonah. I'm bringing judgment. And Nineveh repents and God relents. To the disappointment of Noah, or to the disappointment of, uh, what's his name? Jonah, right? To the disappointment of Jonah. I know the Bible, guys. Okay, it's just sometimes the words. To the disappointment of Jonah, God relents. He says, the reverse is also true of you. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build up and planet. I've given you good things. I've explained great things in your future. And if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good. 
I will relent of the good that I intended, and like clay in the potter's hand, I will destroy it, and I will build it back to something that brings me glory. God receives glory regardless of what we do. God will receive glory. He receives glory in the punishment of sin because we don't meet his standard, right? And by the way, the New Testament tells us that, doesn't it? Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we are all destined for destruction. That's really bad news. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Israel, you will be blessed if you follow me. I will lift you up, I'll exalt you. But if you do not, know that you will be destroyed. And I'll be brought glory through either way. So, comes time for a decision, right? Number three, decisions before the Lord. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. I want you to know there's not a lot that we can really relate one-to-one with the people of Israel. And I will talk about that in just a second. But one thing that we can relate is there is no time like the present to respond. There is no time like now. Any decision that you would put off today, you will just as likely put off tomorrow. The decision that is before you today is not far away. It's not something that you need to figure out in the meantime while you're doing something else. It is near you, and it is not far away. And the second thing is it is not too hard for you. It's not something that you've got to wait to get a theological degree on. The decision that God has called you to make today is near to you. Listen to what it says. Jump down to verse 14. But the word of the Lord is very near to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. When you obey, you will experience life and blessing. When you disobey, Right? To encapsulate the, la- the next verses, when you disobey, you will experience evil and death. Verse 19 I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Boy, that's not hard. I'm placing before you life. And death. Choose life, dummy. That's what he's saying. This isn't hard. This isn't rocket science. Or as my dad would say, rocket scientist. This isn't rocket scientist. Right? Choose today whom you're going to serve. Make the decision. It's near to you. It's right now. Make the decision what you will do. Choose life. The decision that was before Israel was they had a choice to live in a blessed life of obedience, meaning they were responsible to do everything God had told them to do and to experience blessing. Or 
they could die under the cursed life of disobedience. That was the choice. But it was solely dependent on them to do it. You must obey and not disobey. You must follow my laws. I have a standard that you have to keep. If you're going to be about my glory, there's a standard that you have to maintain. Do you know what the entire Old Testament scripture proves to us? The whole record, you know what it proves to us? Boy, we couldn't do it. Man could not do it on their own. So we can't leave it there. We can't leave it there because that is not the decision I'm asking you to do today. Hey, if you're going to be a part of this church, if you're going to move, if you're going to do all this stuff, I want you to do all of these actions. I want you to obey God's commands and I want you to not cuss and I want you to be sweet to your husbands and your wives and to raise up your children. Listen, I'm not coming to you today with a decision for you to do all these things, this, this checklist of do's and don't do's. I'm not bringing that to you today and saying you decide. But I am asking you to make a decision. We know the history. Israel didn't obey. And they were destroyed. And Moses saw it coming. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Once you're in the land, he says at the beginning of the chapter, once you're in those faraway lands in exile, outside of the blessings of God, once you recognize and repent and turn, I will restore you. You see, God's already made the decision on us. Yes, I can't allow disobedience, but I will restore you. Look at verse 6. He doesn't leave Israel in their sin anymore. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Now, circumcision was a sign of obedience, right? That was how they identified themselves physically as God's people. That was their practice. God told them to do it. Now he's not saying that you must have this outward physical show. He's not even telling them you have to do anything. What does he say there in verse 6? The Lord will circumcise your heart. He will change you not on the outside. He will change you on the inside. He will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God. The problem is the relationship. The problem is we don't love God on our own. The problem is we are wicked and broken and twisted, y'all. On our own, Scripture is clear. Our slant is as rebels against the things of God. Because the exaltation of God's kingdom means the death of our own kingdom. And we are by nature in our flesh against it. But God would make a way for us not to be enemies of God, but to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, that we may live. No, the decision today is not for you to do better. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and start reading your Bible more. Now, 
It's an invitation to realize what Jesus has done for you. The reason why they couldn't keep the list of demands was because they were doing it on their own strength. But God would provide a Messiah in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who would live a sinless life that no man before or since has ever been able to accomplish. And if we would put our trust in him, his death would be placed toward our account and his resurrection would be given to us. He would die sin's death so that we could live. I'm not asking you to try harder to be a good church member. I'm asking you to draw in to the relationship that has been made available to you in Jesus. And we watch Christ live his life through us. Not we try to live like good Christians. But it is Christ living his life through us. The decision for them, right, was to live the blessed life of obedience or die in the cursed life of disobedience. The decision before us today is the surrender of our heart. It is the blank check of our life. That is the decision. The decision is, will you humbly give your life over to God without reservation, without holding back? Will you surrender everything to him? Y'all, I am not naive enough to believe that everybody in this room has surrendered their life wholly and completely to Jesus. And so, using that as the metric, I would tell you that I believe there are some in this room that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to be better or to read your Bible more, to pray more, to come to church more. I'm not asking you for any of those things because that's short-lived. That's, that's only Israel was obedient for a little bit. I'm asking you to change your heart which means giving it over to a God who loves you and would desire for you to have life more abundant, to experience life. It is the forfeiture of our heart and life and plans and directions as he produces obedience and the blessings of life in us. Or you cannot make that decision. For whatever reason, you can make the decision today to refuse the life-transforming work of Jesus Christ, and you can continue to try it on your own. You can do it. You can leave today completely unchanged. But I would plead with you. I would beg you as Moses was pleading, right? Yeah, the decision is different, but the reality is the same. Choose life. Choose life. And not life physical, but life spiritual. Not life temporary in a geographic location, but life eternal in an intangible home. Choose life. But it's not going to come until we are at the end of ourselves until we recognize our need for a Savior and we lay down our life before him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And there's exciting things 
in the physical direction of our church and what we have coming up. Mm. But y'all, that is not what I want the takeaway of this message to be. Christ has called us to obedience. That standard's never changed. God has called us to obedience. That standard's never changed. But the way in which we accomplish it has changed dramatically, completely. Jesus was the game changer for us. And so if you're here and you have never given Jesus the blank check of your life, you have never surrendered your heart and your life to him, I would plead with you, choose life that you may live so that you may be part of what God wants to do in his redemptive story, not only in your heart, not only in your life, but in the life of your loved ones, in the life of your community, in the life of your classmates, in the life of your co-workers. God desires to use us as his church if we will give ourselves to him. And so if you haven't experienced that type of surrender, I would invite you to come to Christ for the first time. I don't care how many decisions you made and how many times you've been dumped. If you've never surrendered your life, do it today. Come and experience salvation. Maybe you're here and maybe you know you have a relationship with Christ, but man, your fellowship with him has grown cold. He is your righteousness. So y'all, righteousness ain't gonna happen unless we're connected with him. While we go through the defeat and the things that we experience in life, I'm not saying that an obedient life is not a hard life. In fact, sometimes I'm saying it's quite the opposite. With Christ, all things are possible. That's not a statement to get you all the things you want. It's a statement to endure all the things so that your life can be accomplishing kingdom purpose. That's what it means in context. All things are possible through him. Maybe you need to return to him today. I don't know what that return looks like for you. Maybe it looks like finding a spot at this altar. Maybe it looks like coming and having a conversation with me. If you're here, Whatever decision you need to make, any conversation you need to have, I'm going to be here at the front. Would love to talk to you. We've got decision counselors that are here as well that would love to talk to you about anything that you need to get right with God today. Maybe you just need to join arms with us as a church. Have that accountability built in to be brothers and sisters. Making a difference in the context that we live in. Whatever it is, I pray that you would respond. God's invitation today. Father, have your will and way in every part of this service. May you have been the one that received all glory. And may you bring glory to yourself through our life. Through our obedience or disobedience. But God, I pray that you would, as you beckon us, as you draw us, as the lover of our soul, would you draw us into right relationship with you that is found only through the person of Jesus. I pray for that one that needs to make that decision. I pray for one that needs to confess, that needs to get right. I pray for one that needs to take other steps, other next steps of faith. I pray that they would do that today. To your honor, to your glory. May that be the thing. In your name we pray. Amen.
And amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? Respond as the Spirit leads. Come find a place at this altar. Come talk to me. Come find one of our decision counselors. Whatever decision needs to be made, I pray that you would do that today as we sing.